I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your Wyndham Championship Recap episode. Joining me, first of all, Kyle Porter gets a week off. Unbelievable. Joining me for this evening, it's Greg Ducharme. What up, Greg? What a a day. I mean, it's very exciting. I can't believe this Jim Herman guy. He is unbelievable. I can't wait to talk about it. We're going to get into that. Uh, but joining us also all the way from Greensboro, North Carolina, it's Mark Immelman. Hey, Mark. Kyle's lucky he's got a week off. <laughs> the way this today panned out. Yeah, it was a fantastic day. It was cool to be a part of it. Sedgefield is a great, a great golf course, great venue. Um, Donald Russ. Weather was finally good. It was a little cooler than normal, which was heavenly. And so it's been a good day so far. Thank you. All right. Well, let's jump into it. Let's do it. Let's do driving the tour presented by Volvo. And it was Jim Herman who takes down the Wyndham championship at 21 under par. Greg, I know you are excited about this. This guy's story. I mean, we could spend however long talking about uh, how unlikely this scenario was, uh, how important this is to him. Where where do you want to start, Greg? (laughs) Well, I'm not sure. There, there were so many great shots that he hit. I mean, so we can get into some of the stats that he had. He, he played great golf, no doubt about it. But the amazing thing to me about Jim Herman is this is a guy, I mean, think about all these other, I mean, he's got three PGA Tour wins now. Uh, there are many players out there who are far more talented than Jim Herman who, who don't have three wins and may never get to three wins. This is a guy who's missed 92 cuts in his career. He's missed 11 cuts this season. He's got three wins on the PGA Tour. But the amazing thing is this was his 10th top 10. So 30% of the time he finishes in the top 10, he wins. That, <laughs> I, that's amazing. Like Some people just have a nose for it, and Jim Herman does. It, it's so impressive to me. He's a closer, I tell you. His last top 25 anywhere in the world on any tour was a win. And that was the 2019 Barracuda champ. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I could go back. I mean, 43 events in a row. There are two, he has two top 25s. Both of them are victories. Mark, he goes 61-63 on the weekend. I mean, he was, he was sublime. And I think this also speaks to just how deep the tour is when a guy who's ranked 318th in the world can go out, shoot 61, 63 and win a, and win a golf tournament. Well, we had this conversation recently, 
Right. I mean, I, it's where I've mentioned that, you know, you've got to be really good to suck on the PGA Tour. I mean, yeah. the, this is the best of the best. And and you talk about 124 over the weekend. That is bananas, okay? Even around a short past 70 golf course. But I want to take a step back to Friday afternoon. This is a guy who came in here with not very much form. And apparently he birdied like four of his last six holes on Friday just to get into the weekend on the number. And that to me is just the beauty of golf where, you know, we've said it on this podcast that they cash checks on the weekend. You know, Thursday, Friday is important. You can lose it then. But your job's to get into the weekend because anything can happen. You've just got to catch that proverbial lightning in a bottle. You've got to start making a few timely putts and you get a little momentum. And I tell you what, how's him shoot 61? He had a putt for 60 on Saturday. He shoots 61. Then earlier this morning, he comes out and he birdies the first. I mean, he is a dude that's uh, 10 under par for 19 holes. <laughs> that is absolutely crazy. So, I mean, what a cool story. Um, it, it's nice to see. We've talked about this on the show too. It's, you know, I, I think sometimes we're numbed by watching the blue chip stars and, and, and they win big events and you have Ram get to number one and then he's vying with Rory and JT and Tiger and all these names and stuff. But these stories are the real stories. I mean, Jim Herman right now, he is on top of the world. Yep. Whereas someone else, maybe uh, some name who comes in here and wins this, they're like, oh, great, but I'm aiming for something larger. This is a big deal, and, and it's a big deal for me too. And that was very apparent in his post-round interview. Greg, he was emotional. This is a this is a big deal. He is now inside uh, the FedEx Cup playoffs, so he's going to move from 192 to 54th in the FedEx Cup standings. Uh, I believe it is the biggest move ever in the final event of the regular season. I mean, I we can't even describe how this uh, will, in theory, and and how it might change his career trajectory and his life trajectory. Well, that's the amazing thing about him, right? He, the, the win in 2019 at, uh, at the Barbasol, I believe it was, that, that kept his card. I think, he, I think that year he made like three cuts. It, it was a really tough year for him in 2019, and he wins to keep his card. I mean, he, he was one of the rare players who had a win and finished outside the top 125. He didn't make the playoffs, but he kept his card because he won. That that's having your back up against the wall and and just being flat out clutch. And now he's got Billy Horschel, who's a five time winner on the PGA Tour, uh, who should win this event, right? Billy Horschel is leading the way and should win. Jim Herman, everybody's waiting for him to fall off, and he just keeps going and gets himself another two year exemption on the PGA Tour. There's no doubt this is. Um, I mean, this guy is playing for his career. Right, he's playing for his job. This isn't a guy who's he certainly doesn't have the cut streaks to get the pension program. Right, there's this is a guy who's probably going to play PGA Tour champions at some point when he's when he's uh, eligible with his age. He he's playing for his for his dollars. Right, he's playing for his career, um, and it, so it's amazing to see because he's like a guy who's so backed up against the wall. Nobody expects him to do it. He's always. Now, uh, teetering between Corn Ferry Tour finals. I mean, he wasn't even eligible for FedEx Cup bonus money. A lot of people don't realize they pay 125 to 150. He wasn't going to get any of that. And now, I mean, who knows what that bonus is going to look like? So it, it, it's just, it's an amazing story. And I, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around it. But this is, as Mark said, this is a story that really means something. And, and it has a lot of value. It's why we love golf. 
you know, it's, it's, it's the beauty about this mercurial game that we are all passionate about, that we're all fans of, that we play, that, you know, we're fortunate to work in. I mean, this is what everyone practices for. And speaking of that, here's a guy who comes in here who didn't have very good form, as mentioned, and, you know, it doesn't stop them from working. And when you're practicing, so, sure, you practice to win, right? But you practice to be able to hit the shots under pressure. That's what really the goal is. And this guy delivered, I didn't have his group, he was one in front of me, but he delivered a few shots there on the back nine that were out of the top drawer. Yes. Um, the, 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 the wedge shot he hit into 17, everyone is like, it's just a wedge shot. It's just a hundred and whatever yards it is. You're for hanging lie. The green looks like a tabletop in front of you with an infinity edge. You have people spinning the thing off the green left and right. And you got the adrenaline surging through your body. And you haven't been playing very well. So you've got this mental mishmash going on in your head. And now you're trying to win. This guy fires a dart in there, a little off speed. That I, I looked at this, I was like, wowzer. But you'll talk about putts made, you'll talk about drives it, blah, blah. That wedged on 17 with a freaking, I mean, he, he was one leg up, one leg down. It was just, it was crazy. Okay, game. Mark, how about this? T t I want to I ask you how hard 18 was playing on Sunday. Yeah, the, yeah. Two, the two shots he hit on 18, I think his drive didn't get more than, I think it was 34 feet off the ground. And then he just hits this like swinging, I don't even know what club he hit into the middle of the green there on 18. And I'm thinking th this guy's got ice in his veins. <laughs> uh, Nick Feldo had the best call because the the the, the trajectory, the pro trads junkies, you know, those pro tracer things are gonna they're gonna be playing this all over social media, where the thing was head high, knee high to a grasshopper. Yeah, and Feldo <laughs> goes, "You don't yell four, you shout jump." That's yeah. I mean, like, that's how low the thing is. So he's hit this, he's fired this low hard cut out there. It ran down the fairway, and from there off a downhill lie to a green above you that's got. Buried elephants everywhere. This thing's tilted in every which way. He's fired the five iron in there to about 10 feet behind the flag. I mean, this is absolutely crazy. Now, five iron, again, this, this is where statistics get tossed out the window because a five iron's a five iron's a five iron. But yeah, you've got a five iron off a downhill hanging lie to a target that's a good 20 yards above you. Uh, that, that is just, it's off the charts difficult. And, and like you say, he's got ice in the veins. And, and it's that, that's why we practice, to be able to do that stuff. Because that, those two shots, they, they will stick in the back of his mind for a long time. And that's the kind of stuff, to me, that almost helps you to take that next step. Because the next step isn't getting better. The next step is just being in that position more often. You know, eliminating the odd bogey, eliminating the odd penalty shot. It's fine margins out here. And he can take that stuff uh, to the bank with him. And, and deposit that in the confidence bank. Here's the capper on Jim Herman. Sunday at the PGA Championship, the worst score in the entire field goes out, wins the golf tournament the next week because golf is a crazy game. Uh, Greg, let's turn our attention to Billy Horschel. You mentioned probably should have won this golf tournament, right? Or this was what we were expecting. Uh, Jim Herman won this golf tournament, let's be clear. But Billy Horschel, the big name at the top of the leaderboard, the guy that I, I think most people would have assumed was eventually going to win this golf tournament. He played great, 66, 64, 65, 65. It's, it's Billy Horschel's season. This is the time of year we know he likes. What'd you see from him today? I saw a, a lot of great stuff, right? He, the guy's a competitor. This is one of those situations where uh, you're coming down the stretch and the guy that should win 
look, I mean, he makes bogey at 16, which was kind of tough. And, and that's where this gets a little difficult. But to me, the situation, like Billy Horschel handles his moments. He gives himself two great looks on 17 and 18 for birdies. He makes both of them. He wins. He makes one of them. He's in a playoff. Unfortunately, he misses both of them. But he hit great shots all day. I mean, you go back to the front nine and the shot that he hit on number five. I mean, four, five, and six were unreal. So he was he was oozing with confidence, and uh, he was he was just extremely impressive. And he had a look on him, and and the lead kept changing. It would be two, and then it was one, and then he was tied, and it just kept fluctuating back and forth. And to hang in there and follow uh, follow up some of these shots, somebody gets really close to him, he answers with a with a birdie at eight. That that was the one that really stuck out to me. Jim Herman made birdie at eight, and then he steps up right behind him and makes birdie at eight, which was. Just fantastic. So, look, there's definitely a couple shots that he let get away. And if you're Billy Horschel going home tonight, you're thinking, I, I let that tournament go. And he may have done that, but, look, this, this, was no, this is no choke job. This is kind of the way things go on the PGA Tour. And I, I think Billy did everything he had to do to give himself a chance to win. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for a chance to win, and he had two putts on the last two holes to do it. And it just it didn't go in this week. Billy Horschel is in fine fettle right now. I, I had the guy for two days over the weekend. He hit every shot he needed to. High, low, draw, fade. The putting stroke looks smooth. Uh, he, he could have sharpened up around the greens a little bit more, but, but, but Greg highlighted all the fantastic shots he hit. I sadly just want to pinpoint two, and those were ones that were missed in the wrong places. Mm-hmm. First off on nine, He's, he's finally hit a bad shot the entire front nine there. And he misses it out to the right-hand side, gets relief from the cart path, and he misses the left hole location left. The only place that you can't miss. And I feel like even though he played a really good back nine, that's where he sort of stalled the momentum because up to there he was four under through eight, hadn't missed a shot. Then he settles down and he makes a good par on 10. It's an unreal shot into 11 and misses. So now things, he, he was the guy to beat. Then all of a sudden, he wasn't the guy to beat. And it's amazing how just with one shot where he short-sighted himself, that things had gone in the wrong direction. Then he battles back beautifully. Uh, and um, then to, again, the eight iron on 16, the par three down the hill. That was an, uh, another miss where all he's got to do is iron that out. And what I'm getting the sense for right now is this guy's a postseason playoffs player. We've seen him do this before in 13 in route to that FedEx Cup. At Deutsche Bank, I had the final group for radio. He had six iron into the final green, hits it fat in the water, makes a bogey, loses by one. Travels to, uh, we talked about this, to, over to Denver, wins Cherry Hills over there, wins BMW, goes to Eastlake, wins the whole bank shoot. Billy Horschel looks like that guy right now. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's unbelievable how well he's playing. He, he looks he looks dialed in. Mark, you were up close and personal. I want to talk about 16 real quick. You mentioned, uh, so his ball, I got a lot of tweets about this. His ball gets embedded above the bunker, kind of in that bank or whatever you want to call it there. He gets free relief from that embedded ball, which is a relatively new rule, right? I thought you used to only get embedded ball relief in the closely mown areas, but now it's like the general area. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, through the, it's always been through the green. Okay. Um, 
And if it wasn't through the green, there'd typically be a local rule to say if the ball plugs, you're allowed relief. I mean, we've seen that we've seen that with Kepka here recently. We blew the thing miles right in the fescue, and said, "Hey, this ball's plugged over here." And they're like, uh-huh. "Fine, you like a drop. Remember that, right, right, right." And you get a club length from the thing now, and he dropped it out of the fescue. So, so, so that's a bit of rub of the green there. I truly was surprised because during the break, I was talking to Frank. Um, and I was like, I think this is a great break because you can't drop the ball into a penalty area. Right. So he's going to get to place it. And I didn't think it was that hard a shot. Um, and he didn't hit that second as good as what I figured he could have and makes the soft bogey there after an eight iron off a tee. Um, so, Rick, as you were saying about that, in a ha- what used to be a hazard, you couldn't get any relief from, uh, right. from an embedded ball. But you could in the rough. So yeah. uh, through, through the green, as Mark said. Um, so any hazard, which includes a bunker, you can't get relief from penalty areas. Now, I don't believe you get relief from that in penalty areas now. So that may have been the discrepancy there. Well, and that the, the Brooks Kepka fescue example is a perfect one, because if you get it there, you might, you better get it everywhere. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, cause I know Twitter was like, why is he getting to drop this for free over here? And I'm like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, but did you hear what he said? Did he already said it? Can I drop to, it in the book? He wanted to, what can I put in your pocket? Yeah. What can I put in your pocket? Was, I got a kick out of that. <laughs> He's yeah, the best. Thing. yeah. 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 He was very animated the whole day with a great attitude. Incidentally. Yeah. I mean, I, I was curious when I heard that quip, why you'd want it in the bunker. I still thought placing the thing on that upslope, the, the, the slope's going to elevate the ball. You don't even have to build loft into the club face. You just got to strike one halfway decent. And, and, and the effort he made over there, I think he'll rue that second shot. Yeah, it, it, wasn't, his, it wasn't his best. Um, Webb Simpson, who another top five, top three, finishes in a tie for third with a handful of other golfers, continues to dominate at this event. Greg, I don't really know what there is to say. I mean, Webb Simpson was uh, the favorite coming in. He was, he was that rightfully. So he didn't, he was one of the few guys at the top of the leaderboard who didn't go right, like super low in any round. He shoots just 66, 66, 65, 65. He's just, he's just unbelievable. He, I, I cannot overstate how solid Webb Simpson is. After he made uh, bogey at one, he was kind of became forgotten. Nobody was really thinking about Webb and all of a sudden you're at 12 under and now you're, you're way back at 12 under. And all of a sudden, I mean, he just goes on a, he just goes on like a birdie barrage, but it's not because it's Webb. That's just what he does. He just <laughs> starts picking away at birdies, right? Birdies at four, seven, eight. Okay, there we go. All of a sudden after the bogey at one, it's a 33. And then he quote Webb Simpson just closes he does it every single week it seems and so there, there's no quit in him there's no give up and he just continues to make birdies throughout the entirety of a tournament and this is kind of the theme of the week to me where it was maybe a little bit of a slow start we remember on thursday started off with a double bogey before he made a before he made a birdie or anything else and all of a sudden like you said rick 66 66 65 65 doesn't matter how he starts this is just what webb simpson shoots he's unbelievable this is now four straight trips to wyndham with top three finishes it's it's amazing for the one and done people listening to this podcast 
Holster Webb Simpson and Tilda Wyndham. I've done this for three years straight. It always pays dividends. I mean, you can, fall, you can roll out of bed and shoot 66 around this place. It's crazy. Is there another? Okay, so real quick sidebar on one and done. Is there another golfer that is a perfect fit for a course? So first that comes to mind is like Bubba at Riviera or maybe Hideki at the Waste Management. Like is, is Webb at Wyndham like the single best fit of anybody on tour at any course? Uh, yes. Yeah, I would say so. I would counter with Rory at Eastlake. Okay, Rory at Eastlake. Who, who I'm saving. Jacob, we've got to figure out the points <laughs> in our one and done league. Um, Rory at Eastlake, but, but Webb at Wyndham. Uh, I mean, we joke, but the guy named his third child after the tournament. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to tell you something. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, Siwoo Kim, uh, the big woo-woo, as we... <laughs> been calling him i don't think i heard that on the telecast mark i, I think you missed out on that opportunity well, i didn't have him i would have I, if, if i had his group i would have said the big woo woo uh there you go uh greg we'll start with you here uh you know two shots clear heading into sunday what seems like every single week someone on the pga tour has a two-shot lead or a three-shot lead on sunday and it goes away very quickly and a lot of things can happen uh it appears that the big mistake for siwoo was pulling driver at six a hole that you don't need to hit driver. And a hole that he hasn't hit driver at all week hits it into the fescue. Of course, cannot find it. Has to make the trek back to the tee. Hit another one. He ends up with a double. Makes a, another bogey, what, two or three holes later. And when the, when, the, when the field's passing you, I mean, you can't be three over through like eight holes. No, and, and this was a result of one issue. He hit a beautiful shot into number five. Um, the the par five his second shot was yeah. right at the flag and you're thinking it's going to be three feet it catches a little bit of a slope there everybody who got it close was uh, towards the back of the green kind of like where Jim Herman was I know Jim Herman was 60 feet but like Billy Horschel got it kind of long right on line with that flag and it would stay up there it came up like it must have been Mark would know better than me but it must have been inside of five feet short of of staying up on the ridge rolls down makes a par he's upset hits a driver where he shouldn't be hitting the driver. Uh, and to me, that looks like it's purely out of uh, – he's, because he's upset. There's no there, – I'll say this. There's a limited strategic advantage to hitting driver there, and he does, especially when you're like a leader, right? It's one thing if you're five back, but he's a, a leader in the tournament. So he makes a bad choice because of a bad break. And then on eight, <laughs> he, he got one of the – what are the? I mean, look, it, it wasn't a great shot, but it was an awful break. Hitting off the cart path, he pulls it, hits the cart path, and it came back into the penalty area. I think so. Uh, that was that was very uh, unfortunate. But another hole on eight, where everybody's making birdie, hitting less than driver off the tee, he's hitting driver again. It seems like he got a little flustered, mm. and it took him eight holes to get himself back into uh, back into form, like to calm down a little bit. And then he played some golf coming in. The big woo woo made a big <laughs> boo, made a big boo boo. Okay, there it is. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I I was I remember listening to the show and I hear Franco on six T Frank Nobler that is. He goes, well, he's pulled driver, and then he starts asking Dottie, who had the group. He goes, what's the carry? Because there's that 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 uh, little river that runs across the fairway, and it was like three ten to cover that or whatever. And the fairway up there is narrow, and there's fairway bunkers there. And there's, to Greg's point, limited statistical advantage. So, so I'm surprised he pulled driver. Driver on eight, I can forgive. 
because then you're trying to force the issue. You've looked at a leaderboard on seven, probably, and you've seen Billy Horschel just go bananas because he made like birdie, eagle, something birdie, and all of a sudden you three back. So I can see forcing the issue on eight off the tee. That's forgivable. Driver of six, that, that was just, that was downright silly. And, and so I was, I was really surprised at that. But again, uh, you've got to give credit where it's due because the guy battles back in the back nine and becomes a factor again. Yeah, he did. It was uh, unfortunately a little, a little too little too late. Excuse me. Uh, but yeah, he did. He did write the ship a bit uh, coming in. Doc Redmond, Mark, we're going to stay here with you because he played with Billy Horschel today, right? I'm not. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. Um, yes. He is. He is quickly becoming uh, one of my favorite players. He the way he can strike the ball. Um, what did you see from him? As his, I mean, he's he's a young guy. As his game is now seemingly maturing, and we're seeing him near the top of the leaderboard more often. He's fascinating. I, he's a curious character to watch him from afar. I mean, I've never met him. I didn't introduce myself or anything today. Um, and. He, he's got the self-deprecating manner about himself. Like he hits putt, he'll miss a shot and he'll sort of just shake his head and walk around the place and gaze at the sky. And then, then he'll go and all of a sudden make a birdie or whatever. And he'll hit a great shot. And, and he sort of looks like, Oh goodness, I can't really <laughs> believe that. But anyways, uh, and, but, but the guy is a flusher. I mean, he hits the ball in the middle of the bat every single time is very reliable. It's this little left to right fade. It's powerful. And he's, he's got this, I would almost say to you, he's kind of like Dustin Johnson with that mustache because he looks like he, does, he looks like he cares, but he doesn't really care. He looks like if he hits it close or 50 feet, it doesn't really matter. If he make putts, he's like, okay, whatever, you know, I'll go and hit the yeah. next one. And so he's got that Dustin Johnson about him, which I think is going to stand him in good stead because, you know, all these youngsters, everyone's popping out and everyone's commenting and their social media and stuff where it looks like Doug Red, or Doc Redmond doesn't give a stuff whatsoever. You know, he comes off the 18th green and missing that birdie putts. You walk past people, he's sort of shaking hands, oh, not shaking hands, fist bumping. And it's like, hey, how are you doing? Thanks very much. I mean, he's just so easygoing. It was enviable. Yeah, I, I actually had him on my podcast after Rocket Mortgage, and he was like the most even keel, down to earth. Yeah. Like I couldn't, I couldn't get him riled up if I tried. Uh, but he, he's, he's, I'm very interested and excited to see he's going to make his first uh, playoff appearance next week. So that'll be cool to see. Uh, I, I want to say this real fast. I mean, the name Doc. I don't know what his first name is. Do you it's, know what his name is? It's Doc. It is not short for anything. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, this is like this is Hollywood. I'm thinking of Doc Holiday and a cowboy hat or something. I mean, this is nope. Doc Redman. That that is the name. That that's a legend's name over there. His sister also has a very unique name too. I cannot remember what off the, what it is off the top of my head, but it is Doc, and it is not short for anything. Yeah, pretty cool, cool stuff. Uh, Kevin Kisner, Greg. Not going to be his first playoffs next week. This guy seems to be peaking at the right time. Three consecutive weeks now, he has improved his finish. He goes T25 at FedEx St. Jude. He goes T19 at the PGA. And then he just, uh, you know, goes out and shoots, gets a, finishes T3 here this week. I mean, the guy is playing well at the right time. Uh, great final round. That back nine that he played was fantastic. Another one of the guys that kind of sneaks his way up there, making four birdies, plays a bogey free. Um, and he was known for the putting drill that he was doing, which, you know, uh, standing up on uh, basically working on his balance in the putting, which is something I haven't seen much of, especially with the the straps on the shoes and being that far elevated and actually rolling putts. It was uh, very interesting to see. 
it surprised me a little bit because he's such a great putter and and he showed it again i mean he really rolled the rock this week um once again so let me see where he was yeah he was you know 23rd and uh in strokes game putting but he made 100 feet of putts today which was which was really nice but the the best thing about kiz's game this week was uh, what he did with his approach game and when kiz gets the irons going he's really dangerous because he can fill it up uh, and when he doesn't have to fill it up, when he doesn't rely on the putter, he can be really good. He's just, he's a bulldog, a great competitor, and definitely a player to watch, especially at TPC Boston. It, while a lot of big names and a lot of long hitters have won there, it's not a requirement. It's not an overly long golf course. And I think a guy like Kevin Kisner could really fill it up. I mean, you think about Steve Stricker, who's had all the success he's had at, at TPC Boston. I think Kiz could do pretty well out there. Interested to see how he does uh, starting next week. We're going to talk about the FedEx Cup playoffs. We're going to preview the Northern Trust. We're going to go on a quick break, but first we'll wrap this up because producer Jacob did such great research, Mark. Doc's sister's name is Karma. There you go, Doc and Karma. Dang, that's cool. Pretty cool. Uh, All right, we're going to take a quick break. Hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. All right, gentlemen, uh, the regular season, it's over. We are in the playoffs. Playoffs, Jacob, can we get that? Can we get that soundbite at some point? Uh, we are in the playoffs. Uh, here are a few players who have punched their ticket. Jim Herman, we talked about. Shane Lowry, Mark, he's in. And Zach Johnson played like a madman in his final, I don't know what it was, 55 holes. The guy went absolutely nuts. We're, we're going to see all three of them in the playoffs starting next week. Uh, do you think any of these guys can make a real run at this thing? Well, look, Herman at 54 has obviously got the best chance because you go from 125 to 70 and you've got to get busy if you're from like seven. If you're in like the 90 to 125 range, you've got to play really soundly in that first event. Now, let's remember the points are quadrupled. So there's a lot of volatility in the playoffs now. Um, so if, if you're down the list in the like 100s and, and above, if you catch a big week, you can kind of elevate yourself into the top 30. But just on the pure numbers, 54 for Jim Herman. He just needs like one really good event. And he's inside the top 30 and on his way to Eastlake. Um, Lowry just ruined his boys trip because apparently he and the boys were going to go to Bandon Dunes <laughs> if he didn't make it to the playoffs. So, um, you know, he's playing well. He's been playing well. He said as much to us this week. So, so, so maybe he'll go along because the one thing about Boston is they've got a huge Irish community out there. Rory McIlroy has ridden those boys to a bunch of success around TPC Boston over there and everyone supports them obviously they won't be at the event because there's no fans 
But again, when you get to Boston, you get that Irish feel about you. So we, we, we've seen what Larry's like when he gets Ireland behind him. I mean, that, that sort of takes him to a different gear. I wonder if his buddies will, uh, if they'll go to Bandon without him or if they'll cancel the trip. Um, Greg, I got a couple guys who they're going to get the uh, a little off season here. And by little, I mean very little because they're going to get like three weeks off before they can kick it back up. Uh, Fabian Gomez, he started the week inside the top 125. He gone. Russell Knox started inside. He's out. Charles Schwartzel is out. And then Sergio Garcia started this week at 134. Could not improve his position. He's probably one of the bigger names just, you know, right outside that top 125. Um, so I want to get your thoughts on not seeing any of these, specifically Sergio, in the FedEx Cup playoffs. It's surprising. Look, th- here's the thing about this year. It's great if you get in, right? We love seeing guys get in, and you're, you're likely going to see a run. We've kind of already seen it with Jim Herman. You're, you're very likely to see a run. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how much you're really going to be missing the guys that are out. And part of that is, well, they don't, they're not losing their card this year. So the, the risk, the, the effect of not getting in is mitigated to some degree. No question about it. So, look, I, I mean, yeah, I love watching Charles Schwartzel play. I love Sergio is probably my favorite, uh, my favorite trajectory to watch on tour. There, there's one for you, Mark. Um, I'm definitely <laughs> one of those guys. So, I, look, I, I love watching these guys, no doubt about it. But are they really going to be missed? I, I think we have – this is the beauty of the game of golf. We have so many – options we have so many great players i look at a place like tpc boston and as i was doing a little bit of my research looking at some of the top dogs i mean you got justin thomas who's won here you got tiger who's won here you got bryson who's won here you got rory who's won here twice uh patrick reed has a bunch of top tens i mean you you have a, a a a litany of players who are the top players in the game who have had success here at tpc boston so to me, when I look at a Sergio Garcia, Fabian Gomez, uh, Charles Schwartzel, uh, I, I'm not feeling like they're really going to be missed. Uh, and also, we're going to see them again next year. So kind of no harm, no foul to me. Yeah, the shortest offseason in sports, even shorter <laughs> this time around, it feels like, Mark. Um, the, the, let's, do a little, let's do a little confidence, a little temperature check on some of these guys for next week. Brooks Kepka, the big name. We're going to hear a lot about Brooks Kepka, Mark, at uh, at the Northern Trust because he's got some work to do, and this is now going to be seven straight weeks of golf. And I'd argue the top players in the world, uh, they only play seven weeks in a row out of one of two things, either desperation or necessity. And I think Brooks is in the necessity uh, category at the moment because he needs points. Or if there's Sung J.M., Well, that is also true. (laughs) I don't know what to think with Brooks. I was confident with a guy in the guy leading into this week, but then I've actually got the transcript here somewhere. If I could reach it, uh, reach it, I'd read it to you where after missing the cuts, he's like, no, the body's just not good. I'm nowhere. I didn't say I'm nowhere close to 100%, but it, it was something along those lines. And I'm like, Geez, you know, one week you tell us the knee's fine and you're feeling great. The next week you're saying to us, no, I'm not feeling very good and I'm unsure. Um, he looked – remember, let's, let's look back and think about Memphis. He finishes second there and he goes into PGA, the prohibitive favorite, just because people are like, oh, yes, Brooks, and he switched on his brain because now it's a major championship. And he always seemed to have that invincible sort of an air about him when he wanted to play. But now it's looking to me, I'm seeing a guy who's apparently injured, seriously tired and fatigued, 
probably worn out mentally, questioning a little bit with a technique, even though he says he's ironed out all the stuff. You know, because I understand fatigue and missing a certain number of shots. But if the body's not there, then your golf swing technique is by definition sketchy, right? And so now you've got a guy who's a little unsure about the technique because you're a little unsure about the health and you've got all these things that are bubbling up under the surface. And I'm not so sure that this immense willpower that he has can overcome all of this stuff. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised really if Brooks plays this week, doesn't make it through and just decides to do a tiger and he goes, I'm out. I'll catch you guys in the new year and let my body recover. But that's just me. Yeah, I, I actually have the transcript up here and it, it, he kind of goes back and forth on this. He says he's very tired. He says it's physical. He says, I know how to do it. I can do it. I just physically can't do it in regards to some of the work that they're trying to put in with his swing coach. I mean, it's, it's really incredible stuff, Mark. Yeah, and, and, and I made a mistake to do, forgive me, because I'm, I'm thinking like the usual season where it's like playoffs and then they're done for a while and the blue chip guys kind of go away. But now we've got the US Open coming up in Greg's neck of the woods over there. Yep. So I, again, I, th- I think this is sort of galvanizing my argument where I'm like, if he doesn't play well this week, he's like, Dunzo, I need to get myself ready for wing foot. I, I could certainly see that, Greg. I'm sure we're going to talk about Brooks on the on the Monday pod. You know, trying to figure out what the heck to do with him for fantasy purposes. But where where are you temperature wise on on Brooks Kepka at the moment? Well, I, I don't know really. I'm I'm confused, right? Because a lot of things that Brooks has said have maybe changed. Maybe his mind has changed. I don't I don't know. But you're right. To why why do players play this many weeks in a row? Is it desperation? Is he looking for something? Well, he he also said, and you can probably find this in another transcript, uh, well, I, I want to make it to Eastlake. And if you're going to yeah. have that attitude, right, I want to play Eastlake, that's a goal of his, which makes total sense, right? Think of, I've been hearing so much of this lately, and it's it's great for the FedEx Cup playoffs because the players are really starting to come around and vocalize that they – are using the FedEx Cup as a measuring tool against one another, and they're they're measuring their games up against one another through this uh, through the FedEx Cup playoffs. And if you're Brooks Kepka and you're sitting there at whatever seed you are, uh, you're and you're not even going to make it to the second leg, that's it. I mean, you got beat. You got beat this year, and I don't think Brooks likes that. So he wants to play in these events. They become a little bit more important. So his effort level has definitely gone up. But is this the right time for it? Uh, is this the right strategy? Is this schedule the right way to go about doing it? I'm not so sure because playing, I mean, if he makes it to Eastlake and he plays nine weeks in a row, even if there are a couple of missed cuts in there and he gets one week off before the U.S. Open, I'm not sure that's a recipe for success. And then what do you, I mean, how much time are you going to take off before Masters, right? He's, he's a guy who likes to play the week before a major. Uh, he's a guy that likes to kind of work his way into that major season and peak. Even if the play isn't great, he peaks for majors. He does need to play leading into it. So it's going to be a a hectic fall and not a lot of time off for him. And I I really think that he needs some recovery. So I agree with you, Mark, where um, this is one where, you know, maybe we're thinking two days and that's it. Then again, I mean, it's a course you can have success at. I, I, I don't know what to make of it. I'm confused and largely because of the way Brooks has played and the words that he said. They're, they're leaving me confused. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Boston, it gives you space off the tee. So it's it sort of like Greg says, sort of fits the bombers. And the one thing just to bear in mind, this is his, this was his sixth week straight, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so yes. 
there's only one cut left in the playoffs. That's next week. After that, it's 70 no cut, and of, of course, to East Lake 30. So if he makes Great the point. cut this week, he's, he's guaranteed eight competitive rounds. Now, is he going to make it to East Lake right now? I, I don't know. I think he's going to have to pull a Houdini. Currently, well, he was 92nd entering the Wyndham. He will drop. So we'll see. I don't know the calculation in front of me, but we'll, we'll see where he is on, on Monday morning. But he's got work to do. Uh, Mark, I'm going to bounce this one right back to you because on, I think it was Friday evening, Greg and I declared that Sung J.M. is back, baby, because he, <laughs> after the restart, uh, it, it was a grind on Sungbot. He was able to get a hard reboot. He was able to get the operating system all figured out, and he looked like Sung J that we know and love at the Wyndham Championship. Hey, I picked him in our uh, head-to-head matchups, and I just came up a buck shy over there. Yeah, look, someone like that who just goes so reliable from T through green and is a nice putter and with a great attitude, it's, it's not, it's, it's not that they'll find their game back. It's like, okay, it's a matter of time. It's inevitable. It's just, when's it going to happen? And yeah, on the weekend when it was a birdie fest, you got to make putts. He made putts. We know now in the, in the playoffs, it becomes about putting, you know, you got to hit the ball and play and then you make putts. And when you start doing that, you can make yourself some big money and some win some grandiose trophies. So I watched him play at Eastlake last year. It's the first time I'd ever watched him play up front. And it looked like that golf course fit him like a hand to a glove. And now with some confidence going into Boston, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he just keeps it rolling, keeps earning those big points and, and finds himself in the top. Th- well, he's in the top 30 basically because he's like ninth or 10th or something like that, right? He is currently, Eight, I thought. No, he's, he was, he was fifth before oh, this Oh, that's week. right. So yeah. we, we will see, um, I assume he'll, I don't know. Oh, he might pass. No, he won't pass Bryson. He'll probably still be fifth. Um, so Greg, do you think it is a coincidence that as soon as I put uh, his shoe, for, I can't get to it, his shoe from... <laughs> The WGC on my shelf back here, he started going nuts. I think I've got the magic touch here. I, I, I fixed the jinx. Get the tinfoil hat out. The conspiracy. <laughs> Rick came and fixed the jinx. It settled. There you uh, go. It sold. And you're right, Rick. We, we said it Friday. Yeah. And it's held true. Sungjae is back. He rebooted the system. He's here and he's here to stay. Let's go, Sungjae. I'm holding my thumbs, Mark, that Sungjae you know is I, back. I don't, I don't think I've used him in one and done. Oh, really? I used them like the first week. <laughs> okay, I'll let you guys know. McElroy in the Tour Championship, JT at BMW, Zuva, I've got, and I'm really heavy on Billy Horschel right now, but Sungjae might be the guy. All right, we'll see. Uh, real quick on Tommy Fleetwood, uh, Greg, we'll go right back to you on, because I feel like we talk about Tommy Fleetwood a lot. Uh, didn't have it on Sunday. Goes out, shoots a 74. It's going to end up being about five shots worse than the field average. I don't know if there's anything to mine deeper into this, but uh, probably one of the, the more disappointing results that we got on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you had him in your fantasy lineup, right? Um, so that, <laughs> Greg must be speaking from experience. Oh, okay. No, I didn't. Because I don't trust Tommy Fleetwood on Sunday. I, I don't trust him yet. He, this is going to be one of the players who proves me wrong. There's going to be a week where I fade him and he, and he does it on Sunday. He's just that good. But he's one of these guys, and I don't know if this is a coincidence, and I, I'm sure that you guys will laugh at me, but you're looking at a Ricky Fowler, a Tony Finau, and a, a Tommy Fleetwood I put in that group. And they all have a couple things in common. One, they're extremely talented, and we expect a lot out of them because of how good they are. Two, 
they don't win a lot. And three, they're extremely nice guys. And I wonder if there's a if there's a nice guy thing going on. Look, that's another tinfoil hat conversation we don't have to have tonight. But I don't trust Tommy Fleetwood on Sunday. That's where I stand right now. I was gonna make a joke, but it didn't formulate quick enough in my brain. So I'm just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna skip it. We're gonna it go. won't be the last time that I say that. So We're, I'll give you another crack at it. Maybe I, tomorrow. I couldn't come up with it fast enough. Uh we are going to uh tie up some loose ends here. Greg, congratulations. Six and two in matchups. You retain the belt second straight week, is that right? No, I think it's two out of three. Oh, I, of three. I, I had to give the belt away last week. So you is, lost- someone count- is someone counting how many belts have been won by each in the, each competitor? Uh, well, we thought you, we thought you were. <laughs> I, well, I think I've got three. Uh, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, I know I'll, I've got go two. Go Maybe this is like a keep track of your own score kind of thing. Uh, okay, yeah. I've got six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. until, some, until somebody proves me wrong. Uh, the two you missed, Greg. Uh, Shane Lowry over Brendan Todd. You had Brendan Todd. We all did. We all lost that one. And yeah. you had Justin Rose over Paul Casey. Uh, you were the lone wolf there, but it did not hurt you because you got six out of eight. Congratulations. Justin Rose, man, that's uh, a little bit disappointing. But here nor there, happy to have the belt, happy to retain it. Um, so, yeah, exciting week. All, all in all, quite a quite a week for me. So the matchups are, are so fun and not easy. And – Look, this when you win the second belt, it's like a validation. So I feel like I'm getting interviewed <laughs> by Amanda Balionis right now. But uh, yeah, very excited. Yeah, you're getting a little emotional, I can tell. Um, next week, the Northern Trust, which is part of, this is one of my favorites. It's the Puerto Rico Open, and this is my other favorite thing, the Caps Lock Slam. Because this official tournament name is all in caps. Mark, can you name a couple other tournaments that might fit that criteria? The Caps Lock Slam. Oh, goodness. I love this. <laughs> there are a couple of funny all, things. All in cap, all in capital fanatics. letters. Yeah. See, uh, you, don't, you, don't, you don't type the names of the tournaments enough. That's what the problem. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But this, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. Okay. This. I'll go, I'll go, go with ahead. a couple here. Go ahead, Greg. You got some. Uh, you're, you're right. Uh, CJ, CJ Cup. That's all Zozo. capitals. Zozo. Zozo all is all capitals. Yep. Uh, the players. The players. I don't know. That's the key. I don't work in the fall. I, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to miss the players, but in the fall, I kind of switch off on golf. Okay. The um, players, now, yeah. a couple of other ones that I find in like tour championship tour is in all caps. So I don't think now, it counts. Okay. So that's not a cap because championship isn't. So that doesn't count. I, I know also, we have the memorial has the lowercase T, which is interesting. That's crazy. There's got to be another one that I'm missing. So the one that I, I guess I also, I guess the one that also doesn't count then is the three M open three M. The M is capitalized. Open right. is not but open. Yeah. Open isn't. It's just the right. capital. capital yeah. I don't think that one counts, but pretty good. Yeah. It's fun. It, it's fun to see. I will say this. It is a creative way to make, it almost breaks up the schedule in a way. It makes it pop when you're looking through it because you're looking at, what, 40-some events, so it can get a little confusing. It, it's entertaining. It's funny to see, and I always like typing it out the correct way. Um, but I think it, it has it, real value. It reminds me of my father-in-law who, when he texts me, 
And he uses capital letters. <laughs> He's yelling at you. He's like, what up? This, um, is, this is his week. He's going to love the Northern Trust. He's a big believer in the Caps Lock Slam. All right, gentlemen, we are giving it the full treatment next week. As we always do, DFS preview. We'll do the betting and the storylines and round-by-round recaps, all that good stuff. So make sure to subscribe. Hit us up on YouTube, youtube.com slash firstcutpod. I want to thank Greg Ducharme. You can find him on Twitter at the real GFD. You can find Mark Immelman at Mark underscore Immelman. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Great work, boys. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus. 
official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.